You've heard it said that, well, it's just your opinion. You know, it's just your opinion about this, that, or the other. But can that really be said of Jesus? You ask people a question and they'll say, oh, well, it matters who you ask. It just matters who you ask. Well, we could say that about politics. You know, who should be the mayor of our town? Well, it matters who you ask. You can say that about, say that about sports. Before two teams play, you can ask, you know, which one is the better team? Well, it matters who you ask. Until, at least until they play. Ronnie Dangerfield once said, you know, my doctor said that I was sick. I told him I wanted a second opinion. He said, okay, you're ugly too. Um, it matters who you ask. You know, opinions matter. Opinions aren't something to be taken lightly. Some people say, well, it's just your opinion. Well, that might be true of politics or sports or beauty or something like that. Um, but when, it, when someone's life is at stake, opinions matter. For a jury, for example, when a jury is authorized to either condemn a man to prison or to death or to free him, those jurors' opinions matter. Especially, I mean, if you're the one that's the accused. And especially, on top of that, if you're innocent. Opinions matter. You see, Jesus was an innocent man. The man Jesus of Nazareth was innocent of any type of crime, of any type of sin. And yet he was condemned to death by crucifixion. And if we were to ask the question, why? Why was Jesus condemned to death by crucifixion? Well, it matters who you ask. If you were to ask Judas Iscariot, he would probably, if he was truthful, say that greed was the reason Jesus was crucified. It was because of greed. Who was Judas Iscariot? He was a follower of Jesus. He was a thief. In John chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, we read, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. And so here's Judas Iscariot, a follower of Christ, yet he was a thief. And that greed that was within Judas Iscariot's heart was so powerful that it led him to seek out those who wanted Jesus dead. You know, they didn't approach him, but he approached them. We read in Matthew chapter 26, Then one of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out thirty pieces of silver to him. From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. And so then comes that night when Jesus is in the garden, that Judas leads the throng of soldiers and uh, chief priest officers into the garden, and he says, the one that I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. How did Jesus react? I mean, how would you react if one of your best friends sold you out? Not only sold you out, but you were innocent. We might get angry. We might punch him in the nose. We might tell him off, right? Jesus reacted with kindness. Listen to what Matthew 26, verses 45 and 50 say. Immediately, Jesus went, or Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. 
And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Even at that moment, Jesus called Judas, Friend. And Jesus willingly submitted to the injustices that were coming. If you were to ask Judas, why was Jesus put to death on a cross? He would, if he was confessing, he would say it was because of my greed. It was because of greed. If you were to ask the religious leaders, why was Jesus crucified? It was because of envy. Earlier in the week, that final week of Jesus' life, Jesus went into the temple complex, the complex that the chief priests and all the religious leaders ran. They ran it perfectly. They ran it the way they wanted it to run. It was big business for them. Jesus went in and he cleared out the money changers. He overturned their tables. He cleared out those that were making a profit in the, in the holy place, in the temple. And he confronted the priests for their dereliction of duty. Religious leaders who had turned the worship of God into a money-making scheme. Jesus would have none of it. And we read in Luke chapter 19, verses 45 through 48, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying to them, It is written, and my house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it into a robber's den. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. And they could not find anything that they might do. For all the people were hanging on to every word he said. Here are the religious leaders. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. And they were looking for an opportunity. And who came to the rescue? Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot came to, the re to their rescue. And after Judas handed Jesus over to the chief priests, these religious leaders held a series of unfair trials that had a predetermined uh, track to find Jesus guilty. And then they, what did they do? They handed Jesus over to Pilate for punishment. But Pilate knew. Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. And so Pilate offered to the chief priests and the scribes and all the religious people there, he offered them a deal. He offered to release Jesus. We read in Mark chapter 15, Pilate answered them saying, Do you want me to release to, to, for me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Pilate knew this wasn't a right and wrong kind of case. He knew that this was done for political expediency. This was done because they were envious of Jesus, because Jesus told the truth. And in the end, Pilate, instead of handing Jesus over to his own people to be freed, he handed Jesus over to the crucifixioners, to the executioners, to be killed. Why? Well, if you were to ask Pilate, why was Jesus crucified? He wouldn't have said it was Judas's greed or the, the religious people's envy. He would have said that Jesus was crucified because of power. Because of his power. Something a lot of us don't know is that seven years before the crucifixion, a man named Sejanus, who served under the Roman emperor Tiberius Caesar, appointed Pilate as the prefect of Judea. What's a prefect? A prefect was a governor of a Roman province. 
that, had, uh, that was under the direct control of the emperor. And so he wasn't governor with his own authority. He served under the authority of Rome. Pilate did. But two years before the crucifixion of Christ, the man who appointed Pilate in that place died. Now Pilate didn't have anyone in his corner in the capital city of Rome with regard to the emperor. Pilate's power, his ability to remain in power, laid squarely in the emperor's hands, a man that he did not personally know. The chief priests used this to their advantage when they pushed Pilate to crucify Jesus. Pilate asked them, do you want me to release Jesus? And this is what the chief priest said in John chapter 19, verse 12. We read, Pilate made efforts to release him, but the Jews cried out saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Pilate got scared. He didn't, want, he didn't want to lose his own power. And so we read a few verses later in verse 16 of John 19. So then he handed him over to them to be crucified. Why was Jesus crucified? Was it greed from Judas? Was it the religious leader's envy? Was it the power-hungry Pilate. Why was Jesus crucified? Well, it matters who you ask. In the end, only one opinion counts. And it's God's opinion. Everyone else's opinion is tainted by lies that they believed in their hearts. But God's view is absolutely truthful. And if you were to ask God, why was Jesus crucified? He would tell you. It was because of love. That's why Jesus was crucified. It was because of his great love for us. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you understand that the death of Jesus, the Son of God, was not an accident. It was not an afterthought. It was not simply a bad jury gone wrong. It wasn't anything like that. God loves you so much that He planned the death of His Son on the cross from the very foundation of the world in order for you to be brought to Him. In Acts chapter 2, Verses 23 and 24, Peter's preaching. He says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. God had planned this all along. In Acts chapter 3, verse 18, 
We read, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. God planned this all along. In Acts chapter 4, verses 27 through 28, the church here is praying, and this is what they pray. For truly in this city, in Jerusalem, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. God planned it all along. You see, the death of Christ was not an accident, but it was something that was planned out by God from the very beginning of the world. God's plan was so precise that even the sun and the moon fulfilled prophecy. In Joel chapter 2, verse 31, there is a prophecy about that day when Jesus would die on the cross. It says that the sun will be, turn, will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. This very day, you can go to NASA's website and you can look up information about lunar eclipses and you can discover that on sundown, on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, on April 3rd, A.D. 33, there was a partial lunar eclipse in Israel. And at 6.22 p.m., residents of Jerusalem would have seen a blood moon. This is an artist's rendition of it. They would have seen, if they looked out as the moon was coming up, over the Mount of Olives, they would have seen the moon in part of the left section of the moon in the full shadow of the earth, the umbra of the earth. They would have seen the lower portion in the partial shadow, the penumbra, making what we call a blood moon. This would have been a sign to the people of Israel. They would have understood it as God being displeased with the actions that happened that day. But more importantly to me, isn't it amazing that a prophecy of Joel chapter 2 verse 31 was fulfilled precisely in such a way that we can determine that it's absolutely truthful. God planned this from the beginning of the world. God's love cannot be stopped. His love for you cannot be stopped. His plans cannot be thwarted. When man does evil, as Judas did, as the religious leaders did, as Pilate did, it cannot stop God's plans. In fact, God can turn man's evil intentions into good. And so God used the greed of Judas. God used the envy of the religious leaders. God used the power-hungry uh, Pilate to accomplish salvation for you and for me. You see, when it comes to the crucifixion, it's not just a matter of opinion why Jesus died. If you want to know which perspective is right, then you simply have to answer a question. I mean, who's really right? Was it Judas? Was it Pilate? Was it the religious leaders? Is it God? Who's really right? Here's how to tell. Who saw their goal accomplished? Who saw their goal accomplished? Judas failed. Judas failed in his greed to keep his silver. Because we know that he took those silver coins and he threw them back at the feet of the high priest and he went out and he killed himself. The chief priests failed in their envy to silence Jesus. 
For after Jesus rose from the grave, his followers proclaimed salvation only through his name. And they proclaimed it not only in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the world. And we still proclaim it today. Pilate failed in his bid to maintain power. Three years after the crucifixion, he was fired. And a few years later, he committed suicide. They failed. But you know what? God succeeded. God succeeded. In Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10, we read, Remember, this is God speaking, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. It was the pleasure of God to send His Son to die on a cross. Why? So He could be united with us. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Why did Jesus die on the cross? He died for you and me. He died that we might be brought to God. How do we respond to him? In Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 we read that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You shall be saved. For it is with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness. And it is with the mouth a person confesses, resulting in salvation. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's what God says to us today. He says, I have provided salvation for you. I've done it all. There's nothing left that needs to be done. There's nothing holding you back from receiving the forgiveness of God and from receiving eternal life. God has done it all. And he asks you today, would you say yes? Would you follow Jesus? Would you say yes to him? Will you turn from your sins right now? Will you come in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ? 